we are so blessed and privileged um, as uh, our church structure is um, as a pastor here. Um, we have checks and balances, and one of those things is spiritual overseers. As a lead pastor, we have spiritual overseers uh, in addition to our board and our elders uh, that are over me um, and that just spiritually make sure that I'm okay. And, um, and if I'm not okay, they kick me out <laughs> and, uh, and they, um, they get someone else in. No. Um, could, could happen. Um, but one of those people is a, is a great man of God. Uh, we pastored together in Pennsylvania. He has a wonderful family who's visiting. They're gonna, he, they came here before and thought New Mexico was so nice. Uh, him and his wife, his beautiful wife, Stephanie. And uh, now that they've come back, they've brought their children, their four children who are with us, as well as some friends from Texas slash Pennsylvania and their children, welcome. And they're gonna do a vacation out of it. So, um, but... Uh, Vinny has a word that God's been giving him and he's been carrying. Vinny's getting his uh, doctorate of theology. Uh, uh, he's gonna get his degree uh, this December uh, as he defends his thesis. And, uh, but he's one of these men who God's raised up that have just have an incredible anointing on their life. First of all, he uh, he's, uh, has a career in IT, uh, IT security. Um, and then God's given him the ability to uh, pastor, so he's, in, he's always evangelized and pastored people, and then he got a job as pastoring, and then he's also a professor at one of our top universities, Messiah uh, College in Pennsylvania, and uh, I just, I'm like, how do you have time to do all that? It's just, it just doesn't make sense, and he also runs his own software company business, so he's just a, a man of many, many anointings, and, um, and I'm just so happy. Would you help me in welcoming and receiving Vinny Secor? I just love you, Vinny. Why don't you just stretch out your hand towards him? Let's pray for him. God, I just thank you for the anointing and grace on Vinny's life. And Lord, we receive the word of the Lord today, God. We receive whatever you've put on his heart, God. Father, may it transform us. May it point to Jesus. May it continually bring your kingdom on earth. God, we just pray. We just bless Vinny. May your words flow through him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless love, you. Love, love you. Love you too. All right. Uh, it is great to be back in Albuquerque. Like Paul said, Steph and I um, came here last year. I think it was in October. It was right after the Balloon Fest. So we seem to catch you on the Sunday when you're back inside. And um, so it, it's great. Is, is Stephen here? He was the playing the guitar. Where? Where? Is he in the room? Oh, he's doing something. Okay, um, I'll, I'll talk to him later. So last year when I was here, I got a word from the Lord for him, and it was just very, it was a very simple word while I was, I was worshiping. The Lord just said, he doesn't sing a song unless he can worship it, you know? And you, you're really blessed and fortunate because, wow, his heart for worship is, is stunning. So, um, you know, so when you, when you see him, just bless him and thank him because, because uh, it, like, it's, when you have a worship leader that just has a heart like that, it's a, be- it's a beautiful thing, so, right? Um, can I start with a story? So uh, since Paul already introduced my family, and uh, well, should I put, I'll put my kids on the spot. They're all nodding. Every, so core kids, why don't you stand up? These are my, so, so you got Anna's, Anna's 18, Jasmine's 16, Ilya's 14, and Tevia's 12. So, um, 
You know, when I was 22 years old, I wrote in my journal, I said, God, someday I want to have four daughters. And he's faithful. He's faithful. So, uh, okay, so, so I, am, I am standing here today as a Christian because of, a, because of an engineer from Albuquerque, New Mexico, who traveled with one of his buddies that was a pastor and shared his testimony at a campus crusade meeting and released an encounter that changed my life. Okay, wasn't a pastor, wasn't a preacher, wasn't an evangelist, literally was just a good friend of somebody who was going to Pennsylvania to Penn State University and said, yeah, I'll go with you, you know, and my life's changed. So I feel like my roots, my spiritual roots actually go deep here in Albuquerque, so I'm always like looking for an opportunity. So I always like to just say, hey, I just wanna thank all of you because I'm sure some of your prayers impacted my life you know, one way or another. I'm, I'm the fruit of some of you that have been praying um, just for the nations and, and things like that. And everything just kind of starts with prayer, right? So as, as, as Paul mentioned, I kind of get, get my hands into a lot of things. And so two weeks ago, a friend of mine called me and he said, hey, Vinny, there's a guy in from Asia and he wants to meet you. He's asked me to find out whether you'll fly to Nashville on Tuesday to meet with him. He's willing to take an extra day before he flies back to Singapore or wherever he is. And, and, and I thought, well, okay. You know, so I asked Steph if that was okay. And she was like, it just, it was one of those things where my immediate answer was like, no, Marcus, I've got four kids. I teach at a university. We've got a, we've got, you know, a business to run and all this type of stuff. I just don't have time. But the, right before I was about to say all that, I just felt this like, don't, don't say it. So I was like, okay. So then I said, Marcus, let me, let me, we've got people over for dinner. Let me just check later. I'll see if I can find a flight. And if I can, I'll, I'll let you know, but I'll let you know later tonight, you know. So I talked to Steph and, and she, she really, she, she really um, supports things like this. So, so I'm, so now I'm, I'm not traveling as a pastor. I'm not traveling as a evangelist or an official like church. I'm traveling as a cybersecurity professional who's asked to just come to Nashville for a meeting to talk to a very like successful business person who's in cybersecurity, but also a believer like me. And I get on the plane and, and I notice there's like, a, the first row, there's a seat by the window. And, uh, and so I take it, you know, cause I was flying uh, Southwest where you don't get to kind of pick your seat. And so I was like, all right, I'm gonna take it. And, and what was even better was the middle seat was empty. So I was like, this is great, you know? And I get the window, I get the middle seat's empty. And about like a minute later, this woman walks out and then she sits in the seat and I realize, oh, she's married to the gentleman who's in the first seat. Okay. And so, you know, and so I, I kind of helped her get in because it seemed like she was having some issues. And, and so, you know, we're just, you know, the flight goes off and she, she asked me, she said, oh, you know, you're going to Nashville. What, what, what's taking you to Nashville? And I wasn't really prepared for the question, which sometimes the best place you can be is to be not prepared because then the spirit of God can give you an answer while your brain's trying to figure it out. And of all the things to say, this is what I say. I say, well, I'm going to meet a man in Nashville who serves on the board of a not-for-profit run by um, a, a couple named Heidi and Roland Baker. And I'm like, of all the things to say, of all the random things to say, you know, I'm like, and, I, and it came out and I thought, that was so weird, so awkward, so cryptic. And I, and I said, 
by any chance, do you know them? <laughs> like, that's literally what I said. I was, like, I was like, oh gosh, awkward, you know? And you know what she said? Yes. She said, I lived in Mozambique. My husband and I lived in Mozambique. We never met them, but we were in southern Mozambique and they're in northern Mozambique. So I was like, okay, game on. <laughs> it's like, come on, you know? And so I'm like, all right, here we go. So, so then, you know, we're talking and we're talking and we're going through it. And, and she asked me this question because she realized I, I grew up Hindu. She said, she said um, so how did, you, like, how did you come to the Lord? So I told her about the night that I was at a campus for crusade meeting and this John Burton gets up and he shares his testimony. And the minute he started sharing his testimony, I just started to tear up. And I'm feeling God's presence and I'm tearing up. And I, I go, you know, so after the meeting's done, I go up to him and, I, and I, I'm Hindu. So I say to him, what? I said, I said, when you started speaking, I started crying. What have you done to me? Okay. You know, I'm telling her the story. And, and, uh, and he says, well, God's touching you. He, Jesus wants you to know he loves you. And you know what my answer was? I looked at him and I said, well, I'm Hindu. Your God can't touch me. That's just where I was at, right? And, uh, and so, but they gave me a Bible and the rest is history, right? So make a long story short. So I'm describing this to her and I'm telling her how it was, like I was telling her, I was like, I needed to meet Christ, feel his presence, because I would never have touched a Bible unless I'd felt his presence. You know, and some of you, you're gonna pray for people that would never go to church never read the Bible, and you're gonna pray for them, and God's gonna release an encounter, and all of a sudden, they're gonna be like, what was that, you know? So I'm telling her this, and, and then she begins to open up, and she begins to tell me how she's got cancer, and, and she's dealing with, like, she's in stage four, and she's describing all the surgeries that she's been having, and, and things like that, and, and, I, and I say to her, I say, you know, you'll love this, Ethan. I, I said to her, can I pray for you, you know? And she said, you know, this is gonna sound weird, but when I was sitting down, I looked at you and I, and I just said, I want him to pray for me. Like, she just had that thought. So I was like, oh, awesome, okay. And uh, so, so, you know, so she's kind of sitting there, so front row of the plane, right, you know? And I just kind of like, I'm, I'm like, okay, let me do this in a way where, like, there, there's two, when you pray for people, there's two things you wanna avoid, okay? One, you wanna avoid that awkward, like, like what, are, what is that kind of moment? So like, you know, laying hands on someone and yelling out in tongues that sounds like Farsi does not work, okay, okay? Especially when you look like me, all right? And then, but the other thing is, and especially for you guys, okay? The creep factor has to be zero. Like, you know, like if there was a creep meter, that thing, that, that line has to be right here and it never moves, okay? Like if, if you can't pray for someone without it being creepy, don't pray, okay? Just like, you know, look over and call somebody else over, okay? But so I just, I'm trying to figure out how to do this, right? And it's like her husband's on the other side and, and, uh, and I'm like, well, okay. So I said, I said, can I just lay my hand near your head? You know, she's like, oh, that's fine. I said, I'm gonna put my, other hand on your shoulder, okay? I'm, look, I'm figuring it out too, okay? And uh, so she's like, okay, you know? And so I just begin to pray and I feel this presence. And you know what I was feeling? I was feeling that presence when I was getting saved. Like, it was this incredible peace. And so I'm praying for her and 
I finished praying, and I, and I said to her, and I always like to do this, I said, did you feel anything? She's like, yes. I felt something that I've never felt before. It was like peace that I've never felt before. Now, this is, she's a Christian, okay? And not only was she a Christian, she had been in Mozambique as a missionary for a few years, okay? So, so she, you know, so, she, so she's describing, and I'm like, okay, so let me pray again. Paul taught me this, actually. So I said, I, and, I, and I just kind of put my hand on her shoulder and head again. I just said, God, whatever you're doing, I bless it. I just, I just asked you to do more, whatever it is, because I don't know. I'm not gonna like, pretend to know what I, he's doing. I just know he's doing something. And I just said, I just asked that you would bless it. You know, you know, just more God, more God, whatever you're doing, more, you know? Because I, I can't prescribe and tell the Holy Spirit what to do. I can just open my heart with love and let him out, right? Romans chapter five, verses three through five. Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope doesn't disappoint us because the love of God is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. If he pours it into our hearts, he's gonna pour it out of our hearts. So you just position your heart in love, okay? You just position your heart and you say, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm here, you know, and all of a sudden, the love of God, which compels us, will lead you. So, so then, you know, so, so I just pray that, and honestly, what I wanted to do, okay, is I wanted to just lay hands on her and just keep praying in the Spirit for the rest of the flight, okay? Creepy, okay? <laughs> like, very creepy, okay? Like, if I had just said, with her husband sitting next to her, hey, I'm just gonna leave my hand on you for the next hour and a half, okay? You know, but, but see, now here's what's, but here's what was interesting, and in, there, I was, we were in the middle of an encounter because we could feel God's presence, you know? And so we're like, so I'm thinking, so I am just praying in the spirit quietly on the plane, okay? Nobody could, she couldn't even hear me, you know? But I knew it was just the spirit of God, right? Well, guess what happens? Because remember, what, my hope was that somehow I could just lay hands on her for the rest of the trip because I didn't want this encounter to leave. She falls asleep and her head lands on my shoulder. <laughs> Contact point. <laughs> and then her hand falls on top of my hand. So she's asleep, and I'm just like praying, you know, you know I'm just praying in the spirit and um, praying for her. It was amazing, okay? It was amazing. And um, so why am I sharing that to you? Because I'm gonna talk to you about community, but I'm gonna talk to you about, I use the term temple-to-table communities, and I'm hoping to kind of plant a seed here. And because... Um, and, and I wasn't like, it wasn't like I introduced myself, I mean, it was awkward, but I didn't introduce myself as, hi, I'm, a, I'm on the pastoral team at Life Center, my wife, you know, or my wife and I are elders at this church in Pennsylvania. I, I introduced her based on where I was doing. I was, I was traveling to meet a business guy because he wanted to talk about cybersecurity and Jesus, okay? You know, and I just kind of, you know, so that's the way I was traveling. It wasn't like the church sent me. It was like our own company. We booked the flight, we went, you know, that type of thing. And, and so like, you know, so, so if you don't mind, I'm just gonna kind of dive right in, all right? So it's, it's 11, 16. I was in LA last week, and in LA, it's 10, 15 right now. So, um, so get ready, you know? And, uh, and I'm like 50 pages in my dissertation, so you might get 48 of them today. All right, all right. But I wanna start with a scripture. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read one portion of scripture, 
And then on your own, read the book of Acts, because we're gonna try to get from Acts chapter one to Acts chapter 17, and we're gonna do it in like 10 minutes, no. Um, so, so this is from Acts chapter one. It says, when they had entered the city, they went up, they went to the upstairs room or the upper room, okay, where they were staying, that is Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. All these were continually devoting themselves with one mind to prayer. I love that Ruth mentioned about like being a one, one, you know, one body, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers, okay? At this time, Peter stood up among the brothers and sisters, a group of about 120 people were there together and said, brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those arrested Jesus. Okay, so I want you to think, I want you to remember two numbers, 120 and 3,000, okay? If you don't hear me talk about 3,000 and we get near the end of the service, just yell out, okay? I'm looking for, there was, last year there was a couple that was sitting here heckling me the whole time. And it was like, I was, I was a little nervous whether they're gonna be here or not, but I don't, I don't see them. And so, although I do remember you, I do remember you. And uh, so, so, so here's what you have. You have 120 brothers and sisters, men and women, all different ages, okay? And they're in Jerusalem. This is after, this is after Jesus had just kind of, ascended, you know, that kind of, you know, thing that happened. I think he actually disintegrated in like, you know, kind of like in PowerPoint where that slide just goes, you know, but some people, but some people think there was like, there was like wings that came and he kind of floated to heaven and maybe that's how it is, you know, but because, um, you know, it said he went up into the clouds, but t today cloud means like Amazon, you know, Google, <laughs> Rackspace, so I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking PowerPoint, and I'm not really thinking like atmosphere. Hey, Paul, did you ever hear about that restaurant on the moon? Great food, but horrible atmosphere. All right. <laughs> he tells a lot of jokes, okay? So it's like, you know, I, it's funny. I feel this anointing up here, and I think it's your, I think it's your, your craziness. But so... <laughs> So um, where were we? 120, okay? So you got 120 people. And just take a minute and just think. Think of who could have been in that 120. We know that there were 11 disciples, you know. We know that Mary's there. Mar Mar I think Martha would probably be there. Um, who else? Who, who, someone yell out, who else could be in that 120? Lazarus, absolutely. I think Lazarus, Mary, and Martha were there. But definitely Lazarus. Who else? One of the pats. <laughs> Who else do you think could be there? Yes, the woman from the well. Her name is Fantina, okay? And uh, without a doubt, in fact, she was in my notes, so that's great. Pa Pat, you're, you're pretty prophetic, aren't you? So, so I, th I think, you know what I think, God, you know how I think God works with you? I think he just drops thoughts. It's like, I would encourage you to trust your first instinct because it's probably the spirit of God. Yeah, so... So like, okay, so like, we probably, we, I think the woman at the well was there, right? I think the woman who touched the hem of his garment, I think she was there. I just gave her the name Veronica, you know, because it, I like the letter V for some reason. And so like, you know, I always, when people ask for like names for babies, I always go like Venita, if it's a girl, you know, Vincenzo, if it's a guy, you know. So, so I named her Veronica, okay? And uh, like, who else? I. Bartimaeus, absolutely, blind Bartimaeus. Who else? 
Nicodemus, totally, yep. The zealot's brother, yes. I think, over here. The centurion, yep. I'm looking for one more name. Zacchaeus, that's right. So I think Zacchaeus was there too. But just, okay, so if you imagine, of the 120, we probably have come up with about 25, 30 names we could probably come up with, right? Well, that means there's another 90 that nobody knows. I call them the nameless ones, you know? Like there were, there were like 90 others that we don't even know who they are, you know? And you could probably go through the scriptures and the gospels and kind of tease some out, but I think there was a bunch that, that we don't know, right? So now the interesting thing about the number 120, okay? So this, this community of 120, they're kind of, they're kind of the, I don't wanna say leftovers, that's a bad word. They, they're kind of the ones that are sticking. They're like, all right, we have gone through seeing Jesus crucified. We've, we've seen him resurrected. We've, we've seen him now ascend. We're still here in Jerusalem because he told us to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of his father. So these were the 120 that stuck together. They're a small community. You know what's interesting about the number 120? How many of you know, have heard the name Wilbert Wilberforce? Okay, William Wilberforce, okay. And uh, did you know that that movement that ended slavery in the British Empire started with a group of 120 friends? They actually named themselves, I think it was either the Clapham sect might be the term, you know. It was, it was 120 that were friends and families that got together and they, and they entered into every aspect of society. They were business leaders, they were lawyers, they were politicians, they were doctors, and they just got together because of a mission. They wanted to end slavery in the British Empire and faith in Christ, and they did it. And it only took 120. So when you, when you see numbers in the Bible, there's usually a story behind it, okay? So the number 120, you know, I'll just lay this foundation, I'm gonna dive into something. So you got 120, I think they're almost, probably all Jews, they're all Jewish, okay? If you love Jesus, you have to love the Jewish people, because he was Jewish. You know what Jesus never celebrated? Christmas, he was Christmas, you know? You know what he never celebrated? Easter, he's never had Easter ham, I'm sorry, okay? You know, and uh, whatever your traditions are. He celebrated Passover and Shavuot and some other things, you know? And so you, you, can't, you have to love the Jewish people. And so, so here you have, you have 120. They're probably all Jewish, okay? And, and they're waiting. And, and, and this is the, and they have been told by Jesus this very terrifying thing. He said to them, the temple is gonna be destroyed. Right? So if you're the 120, you have that insight. How's the temple gonna be destroyed? Right? It, well, if you're them, this is, your mind is going back to 586 or 587 BC because that's when Nebuchadnezzar came in. For those of you that watch Veggie Tales, Rack, Shack, and Benny, you know, for, that's, when, that's when Nebuchadnezzar came in and he destroyed the temple and he took all of the leadership over to Babylon. And you read in Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter eight, verse one, Ezekiel chapter 14, verse one, Ezekiel chapter 20, verse one, you read that the, the, the leaders, the, the elders met with 
Ezekiel, I was, I'm like, wow, how did I not know? So me, they met with Ezekiel three times, in their, and this is what they said. We no longer have a nation, and we no longer have a temple. How do we protect ourselves from the onslaught of the culture that we're living in? And you know what, what they did? That's where the concept of Torah came in. Torah is more than the books of the law. Torah is a lifestyle. To put it in modern terms, it's to use like first century terms, it's, it just simply means the way. Okay? They, created a, they created a way and a culture of how, this is how we're gonna stay together. Okay? Well, then about 200, 300 years later during the time of Ezra, because the, the people had fallen away, like Israel's history is they kind of go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, you know, and sometimes we do that in a walk with God. Sometimes we have a high moment, and a lot of times after a high moment, we kind of, you know? And uh, it's like when you've been fasting and you break your fast with like eight different types of pie, you know? <laughs> and that soup that you were talking about, whatever that is, you know? You, you're like, no, I'm not just doing green chili, I'm doing red chili too, I'm going Christmas, you know? And, uh, and so like, so, so Ezra, Ezra's there, and Ezra kind of leads a revival, and their, their question, they have another question. They're like, how do we stop this from happening again? Because when we pass away, the people are probably gonna fall away. So you know what they did? They set up something called the Sophirum, or it's called the Great Assembly. And it was 120 scribes, sages, and prophets, okay? And they built this, they built this, this unit who, who was responsible, basically they were responsible for making sure Israel walked with the Lord. And they had three principles, three guiding principles. The first principle was called being patient in judgment or be deliberate in judgment, okay? And you see that with Jesus because they brought the woman out who was caught in adultery and they asked him a question, who should cast the first stone, right? Or, or they asked him a question, what should we do? And he didn't just answer, he actually took time and he wrote in the sand, okay? He was being patient. Okay, and then, he, then he, he dialogued with them. He asked them, well, which of you will cast the first stone? Okay, you know, so to be patient in, in, in judgment, to be deliberate in judgment, this is actually designed for like teachers. Any, any teachers in the room? Raise your hand. Father, I just thank you for every educator, every teacher in the room. Lord, I, I ask that you bless them, and I ask for the wisdom of Daniel the heart and passion of Esther and the incredible favor of Mordecai to be upon them in Jesus' name. You know, if you're an educator, like I, I now have been teaching classes at a college for about three, four years, and boy, do I have respect for you. <laughs> it's like you carry the weight of your kids. You know, it's like I have four kids, but I feel like I have 50. You know what I mean? Because like you can't help but now, so, so like I consider all of you like pastors in the workforce in a sense. So, so anyways, like being patient in, in judgment means to take time. It also means that, that what you do is you, if you have a question, you wanna get, you know, you wanna get, for any of those lawyers in the room, you wanna get people on opposing sides, right? Isn't that the way the judicial system has? You have a lawyer on this side and a lawyer on this side, and they kinda like go back and forth, and then the judge and the jury can make a good judgment. That's, that's what it means to be patient in, in judgment. So they would not make theological decisions about things without. So another example is the Council of Jerusalem. 
right? You know, Acts chapter 10, I think. Okay, principle number two is called fencing the Torah, right? So the Torah was kind of like, so if this, if this is a statute, right? Let's just say this is Torah. This is what Torah says, all right? To make, they would ask you to make a fence around it, right? And Jesus, the entire Sermon on the Mount was this. He, this, is, this is an example. The law says, or Torah says, or you say, do not murder. What was Jesus' standard, Stephen? Don't even hate. He fenced murder, right? Right? Can anyone think of another one? What's another one from the Sermon on the Mount? What's it? Do not commit adultery, right? Do not commit adultery. And how did he fence it? But I say to you, don't even lust. Paul did this. Paul said, let there not even be a hint of sexual morality, you know? Because some of you think, well, how, how can like, let there not be a hint be the standard for whether it's a sin or not? See, it's not about whether it's a sin or not. We live our lives in such a way that if this is sin, we build a fence around it that we don't ever even get close to where the sin is. Right? So fencing the Torah was principle number two. And the whole nation got it. Like if you were growing up as a Jewish person anywhere in the known world leading up to the first century when Jesus was born, you knew this, okay? And, the, and let me explain to you why. Because principle number three was raise many dis disciples. And that's what that 120 were supposed to do. They were supposed to keep multiplying, okay? And I won't go into all like the the ins and outs of it, but um, a very simple way to understand what discipleship is, and some people don't like the word discipleship. I like it because it's in the Bible. And, uh, and I think there's a move of God towards discipleship again, okay? But like, so Steph and I, like, the best way I can describe this is you take the light that's in your life and you pour it out into somebody else's. And you keep pouring until you see them pouring their light into somebody else's life. Okay. Paul prayed this thing over me one time. We were sitting and we shared an office, and I was getting ready to go up on a, on a Sunday morning. And he just put his hands, his, his hands on, on, I think my shoulder, my head. It wasn't, it wasn't creepy or awkward. And uh, so it passed the test. And he just said, God, the anointing that's in my life and the, the favor that's on my life, I ask that you impart it. To Vinny, okay? I preached the best message of my life that Sunday morning. And it's like, so then it's like every Sunday, I'm like, where's Paul? You know, kind of thing. But, but, but you know, but there was some, a legitimate transfer that happened, you know? Like, you have stuff in you because you have the Spirit of God in you, and you just, whatever you're good at, whatever you're like, you know, I'm kind of like good at that, that's what you impart into people's lives. And that's what's gonna actually draw people to you is they're gonna see something in your life that, that is an area of gifting because when you have an area of gifting, God gave you that gifting and the Holy Spirit knows that. So when the Holy Spirit's living inside of you because your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and he's there, he's gonna anoint that piece, you know? And don't worry about the anointing that's on somebody else's life, you know? Just look at what God's doing in your life and you're gonna find out that that's what, that's what he's, gonna, he's gonna do in your life. You know, and so, all right, I'm gonna pause.
Okay, raising many disciples. All right. So let's talk about Jesus' model, okay? Because we're about to get back to the 120 leading up to the day of Pentecost. So they have spent, these 120 have spent some measure with, with Jesus, okay? For the, so they, as they were children, they grew up with those three principles, but this group had some measure, okay? One of the things that Jesus did is he ordered his relationships, okay? It's like, who was the disciple that was closest to him? John. You find, when you go through the Gospels, you find experiences that John had with Jesus that nobody else did. None of the other disciples did, okay? So that's, that was kind of his one, okay? Then he had, he had an inner, inner three, right? Anyone know who the inner three is? Yeah, Peter, James, and John. Okay, they got to see him transfigured, not the other nine. They got to see him raise um, Jairus' daughter from the dead, not the other nine. Did you know, by the way, when Peter raised Dorcas, I think, from the dead, he prayed the, he prayed the same words, practically, that Jesus did when he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. That's, that's discipleship. All Peter did is, he, Peter went into a situation and he said, this is above my pay grade, but wait, I remember being a bystander watching Jesus do this before, and he just did the same thing, and she was raised from the dead. And his faith was, I've seen Jesus do it, and so I'm gonna do the same thing, and if, if God did it for Jesus, he'll do it for me, okay? Or maybe he didn't even have that much faith, because it only takes the faith of a mustard seed. Okay, a mustard seed could be like, okay, this is a formula, and if I get the words right, it's gonna work. You know what, that works sometimes. You know why? Because love opens up the Holy Spirit to move. God did not need Peter to know the right words, to have the faith. He just needed Peter to love and be like, God, don't let this girl die, okay? Don't let Dorcas die. He just needed love to be released, and all he needed Peter to do was just surrender and let the Holy Spirit come out. Just put your hands over your heart. This is a prayer I love to pray. Just pray this, you say, Holy Spirit, I give you permission to lead my life. Amen. Here's another one, pray this one. Say, Holy Spirit, teach me to love the way you love. Amen. Okay, so, so like, so, so, so the other thing about the way that Jesus discipled, and this isn't new, by the way, almost everything you saw Jesus do existed. Like the parables, for example, almost every one of his parables you can find in old Jewish writings, okay? Except that they were oral traditions. So one of the amazing things that happened when, when Jesus lived his life is the gospels documented all these teachings that were actually oral teachings. And so for the first time, all this amazing wisdom from God has been recorded because we like to document things, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so his life story is documented, like all the miracles are documented, you know, all that type of stuff. But Jesus very rarely ever taught in a classroom. Where did he teach? Sorry. I heard seven answers and heard none of them. How about you, Ruth? What'd you say? He taught on a boat? Okay, where else? Hillside? Okay, where else? Synagogue? Great, where else? 
Bingo. If you, if you went through the scriptures and you counted for the most hours of teaching, it was in people's homes. What did he say to Zacchaeus? Hey, come on down. We're going to your house for dinner. I personally want that anointing. I like want to walk up to somebody and say, we're going to your house for dinner, you know? And, but at, there's three things Jesus did every day. He taught, he performed miracles, and he ate dinner somewhere. And those dinners were long, you know? They were, they were really long dinners because he would sit there for hours and he would answer questions. And that's part of the, that's part of the being deliberate in judgment. And that's part of the, you know, the discipleship thing is, is, is what, what people want is they want dialogue, you know? I love that I'm up here and I'm seeing all of you, but what I really want is I wanna be in your house. I wanna like eat your food, see a theme here? You know, and it's like, I wanna, I wanna ask questions of you. Like, I wanna know your story, you know? Steph and I went to China and she taught me something really amazing. Every person we met in China, you know, cause I kind of went, we were young at the time, we still are, you know, but we were much younger. And uh, I was like, hey, we're going to China on a mission trip, you know, blah, blah, blah. I want to, like, pray for people. And she would go into every, every place we went. She would say, hey, tell, me, tell us how you met Jesus. And the whole atmosphere would change. And all of a sudden, it would be fun and light. And, and the gospel happened without a sermon, without an anointed prayer. It was just the love of God moving, you know. And so, so every night, Jesus wanted to be in somebody's home, okay, you know. And so... So going back to, going back to the, 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 the numbers thing, I was a math major in college, along with an engineering major and an environmental and a civil engineer. But I eventually got there, okay? But so, so, so you have your, your three, right? Well, what was the next group? 12. He had 12. He spent a lot of time with his 12, right? And then he sent out 70 two by two. So somehow... So, so, what he did, so here's, how, here's how the relationship's managed, okay? And sometimes this might offend people. He spoke to the three through the one. Because Peter leaned into John and said, hey, ask Jesus who the betrayer is. He didn't go directly to Jesus. Because he was like, you know what? John, you have a special relationship with Jesus. You ask him. Because I'm a little afraid to ask him, right? And uh, someone's whistling? Somebody whistling at me? Or is that like a, a cell phone? Okay. <laughs> is that a cell phone? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like that squirrel, you know? And uh, so, the first I thought, uh, honestly, my first thought was, is my fly down? Like, is that like, you know, kind of thing? But uh, that's why I wear long shirts now. And, because uh, otherwise I'd be so distracted while I'm preaching. So, but John, John had this relationship, okay? Well, then the three, the 12 kind of moved through the three, and the 70 interfaced with the 12, okay? And then the 70, right? And all of a sudden, we now have 120, and through the 120, he ministered to the multitudes. Because, I mean, like, there were, there were men and women disciples, okay? And so it was like, he ministered to a lot of people, through a lot of people, but there was, and I don't wanna use the term hierarchy, there was levels of relationship, okay? When Steph and I got married, okay, I, you gotta understand, I, was a Hindu kid who came to Christ and my, my family life blew up, okay? And my church, this is why I love the church, my church took care of me, okay? 
Like they, I had these three pastors that were like dads, you know. It's like I, they, the church literally like saved me, okay. That's how God moves. And, and I remember when we were trying to figure out what to do with our wedding and who we would invite, I wanted to, remember I wanted to have it on Sunday morning. I was like, let's just have it be the Sunday service. No, I'm not like self-centered. You know, it's like, it's like here, Pastor Mitch, instead of having service on Sunday, let's have our wedding, you know? <laughs> and she's like, well, maybe we could go a little more traditional than that. I was like, okay. And, uh, and, but I remember we were trying to figure out who to invite. And I said, well, let's just invite people that have had us over for dinner. It was just a clear demarcation of like relationship. That didn't really cut the list down because it was like the whole church had had us over at one point, especially me, you know, and, uh, you know, because everybody wanted to like take care of me. And so like, so like what, what you see is you see like his discipleship model was that there were kind of levels of relationship. There are, it's okay. You're just gonna get along with people better than others. So can I ask you a favor just as a member of the body of Christ? Don't get jealous if somebody has a better relationship with somebody you want to have a relationship with. You can't, like, you know, like, you just can't. Sometimes it just works and sometimes it doesn't, you know? And I used to try to, like, I try to, I used to try to kind of, like, make every, especially when you're a professor, like, I teach, I've got, like, I've got 41 students that I advise and I've got, like, 50 to 60 that I teach and the community is about 70 that we kind of interact with through our Bible study that we do. And at the end of the day, there's just some kids that we see more often and we can't help but not be close to them, you know? It's like, that's just how it is. And just, just be free to love who loves you back, you know, and, uh, and not, not get jealous. Okay, so last thing about Jesus' discipleship model. And this is really important. Okay, I want you to catch this. He wasn't trying to make mini-me's, okay? That wasn't his goal. Because he said this, he said, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. The goal of discipleship is friendship, you know? And when you're, on, when you're missional and you're on a mission, it is hard to have, uh, have friendship with people that don't, can't, you can't experience the depth of who you are, right? One of the challenges I, I've had with my family over the years is, I can't always tell them about my greatest moments, you know, because not, not my, whole fam- my whole family, a bunch of my family are not believers, praise God, but not all of them. And so some of my greatest moments, some of our greatest moments, we can't share with our families, you know. And, uh, you know, but so the goal is friendship, you know, where you say, these are my people. You know, I'm gonna climb this mountain and I'm gonna do it with my people, you know. And, and that's it. That's kind of how it works, okay? So, all right, so now you, we've got our 120, right? And they're, they've, they've been living in the Jerusalem area. They're Jewish. They've been raised on these principles, okay? And then Jesus says, I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit to come, okay? And we know what happens. At the day of Pentecost, they all get, they, they get, they all get filled. They all speak in tongues. They're, they're declaring the, the majesties and the wonders of, of God to people of all different nations. Okay? I like to think of that moment as the, the, the opening sermon of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And he spoke to people of different cultures. He spoke to men. He spoke to women. Because you see all those languages that are listed that he spoke to. 
He spoke to young, he spoke to old. How do we know that? Because when Peter explained what was happening, he said, he said that the Holy Spirit is being poured out on young and old. Old men will dream dreams, young men will see visions. I still see visions, by the way. And, uh, and so, you know, and I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, men and women, okay? That was how the Holy Spirit began. So it's, you know, and so then 3,000 people come to Christ that day. They're probably almost all Jewish, I'm thinking, okay? There's a, there's a, look, this isn't a Jew versus Gentile thing. I have a reason for what I'm saying, okay? And then, and then this is what, this is what happens. Huh. And just, oh, here it is. Okay. So now I'm gonna take you from Acts chapter one to Acts chapter 17, and I'm gonna do it in four minutes. Okay, Acts chapter 17, verse six says this. Paul and Silas get to Thessalonica, right? There's a, there's a crowd erupting against them. And then, and it says this, oh, it's up on the screen. It says, and when they could not find them, so when the Thessalonians could not find Paul and Silas, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have now come here. Do you know what that is? That is a statement of fear. These are the people in Thessalonica. Thessalonica at this point is about as far from Acts chapter one, these 120 in Jerusalem, as you can get. And, and so this, this nation or this community in Thessalonica is terrified because the gospel has made it to Thessalonica and they know that their, their world is about to change, okay? And how did it happen? Well, in Acts chapter one, you have 120. Peter, they get filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter preaches, 3,000 get at it, okay? Acts chapter, the next chapter, John and, and Peter perform a miracle. They get thrown in, in front of the Sanhedrin, right? And, and all of a sudden, miracles start breaking out. Right? Acts chapter four, Acts chapter five, the priests start to get saved. All of a sudden, all the Jewish priests are coming to Christ. You know, and then the business community enters. This is when the gospel changed. Okay? Because what, what is the model for spreading the gospel? What is the model? It's not synagogues, it's homes. And guess who had homes that could welcome? 3,000 believers who just got saved. Guess, guess, guess who knew how to organize? It's business people, okay? The wealthy and the business people got involved. Paul always, not this Paul, but like Paul who was, well, maybe this Paul too, but he picked business people. Like who was the first guy he traveled with? Actually, it was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he learned it from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said, set apart Paul and Barnabas, Okay. When he, when he landed in Corinth, he found Priscilla and Aquila. They were, they were this amazing, I say young couple, they were this amazing young couple, okay, who, who did what? They had a business and they could go anywhere they want and they traveled with Paul. And I mean, there was one time he took them, I can't remember where it was, he took them, they landed. He basically said, will you travel with me? Maybe it was Corinth. Will you travel with me to Corinth? And they said, okay. So they basically either entrusted their business to somebody else or they sold it and they went with Paul and when they got there, Paul said, well, I'm gonna go over there, but you stay here. Why? Because he knew he could trust them. Because if they can run a business, they can run a church. 
especially when it's in their home, okay? You know, and I'm not, listen, I call this a temple to table community because that 120 that became 3,000, it says they met daily in the temple and then they break, broke bread in their homes. I don't know about you, but I don't have a house that can seat 4,000 people. Do you know what that's called? An auditorium, okay? You know, and so it's like, but do, do you think 4,000 people wanna have dinner together? It's like, pass me the potatoes. It takes like 27 minutes to get to you. No, I just wanna be able to reach and grab the potatoes, okay? You know, and so it's like, so, so but now, okay, let's talk about the 3,000. This, this is why I'm so excited, All right? You have the 120, right? And then you have, this three, you have the 3,000. And remember Paul's goal? Paul said, I must get to where? Rome, right? He's like, I must get to Rome. I'm, he says, he said, what did he say? He said, I, I, I he basically, play, he said, I appeal to Caesar. Because his mission was to get to Rome, right? Do you know what happened when he got to Rome? He found Christians. Paul's life goal to get to Rome with the gospel, when he gets there, guess what? The gospel was already there. Do you know why? Because on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people get saved, and maybe they stay in the city for like, you know, I don't know how long, but all of these, none of these people were really from Jerusalem, right? They all had the culture of being delivered in judgment, right? Raising many disciples, right? And fencing the Torah. They had that culture. They took it home with them with the gospel, with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And whether people wanted to or not, the gospel was spreading because there were people in their homes having dinner. Because what do you do if you're Jewish? Every Friday night, you have Shabbat. And what do you always try to do? You always leave room at your table for somebody else. Okay? And so when, when people came over for Shabbat and they said, What's new in your life? Guess what they said? You're not gonna believe it, okay? And then at the end of the night, they're praying for people and they're getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. And now we got two houses. Now we got four houses. Now we got eight houses. And cities were literally being invaded before the apostles could get there. Because God didn't need 12 apostles. Not in that season. He needed them leading up to it. But what he really needed was 12 apostles 120 disciples, 3,000 new converts, and a ton of homes. He needed houses, okay? And, and what's great, and, and it was like Ruth couldn't have like closed any better than what, what I needed. We need this place so we can, we can come together with our people who we love. You know, a hug from one of you will literally energize somebody for a whole week, you know? And it's like, you know, if someone's having a tough week, just a, like, like, I mean, just a little confession will just energize somebody for their home group or wherever they're going, you know? It's like, because, and, and the amazing thing is, that was the model, right? First John chapter two, verse 27. You no longer have need of a teacher, Anyone know the rest? Because the anointing or the Holy Spirit inside of you will teach you, okay? So what that means, that does not mean don't go to church. It does not mean don't be in fellowship. It does not mean don't listen to good teaching. 
it means that you're ready for every situation. So go. Go love that neighbor. Go love that coworker. Just turn your heart so the lock unlocks and love pours out. Right? One day I'll be able to jump up there. <laughs> Ooh, I want to see that. I'm matching you. I, I would love to pray for some people. Yeah. Why don't you do this? Why don't you guys stand? Because I feel the anointing of the Spirit here. I know that, um, you know, some people might have to, to leave and, and get your children or whatnot at some point. But I know the, the Holy Spirit's here. Vinny wants to just stay and pray for people, and we want to also pray for you. Uh, but there's a, there's a, I believe there's a, an anointing and a um, message that the Holy Spirit's bringing to the church back, and that's community. And um, man, it's just so powerful. It's I, who, who cares about a big building? Who cares about how many people can sit together? And I love, I love community. This will never go away. Worshiping Jesus corporately. But something that needs to start happening is that we need to get the gospel outside these four walls. And, you know, the world's, you know, I don't celebrate Halloween and, and, and the world will go and visit every neighbor in a couple weeks. They'll actually get to know their neighbors. But yet many of us, including myself, don't know more than just a few. May we not... May we, may we outdo the world and go knock on doors and ask them how they're doing. So Paul. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Paul just mentioned Halloween. No, because I want to say something. When people go around to meet their neighbors on Halloween, they wear masks. What I feel like the Spirit saying to you, I want you to meet your neighbors with authenticity. Yeah. No masks. This is who I am. These are my kids. These are my, these are my flaws. You know, just authenticity. Yeah. So I think there's a corporate anointing here that I just want us to come under, and this evangelism for our community. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would break down every barrier in our hearts and in our minds that keeps us from being the river of God that flows into this community. God, would you help us and bring divine appointments to our neighbors, to our friends, yeah. to our co-workers, where we can love on them without any agenda. Lord, that we can share the gospel with them. Lord, that we can invite them into our home. Lord, that the anointing can come upon us where we go, we want to go into your home and have dinner. Lord, I pray that New Life City would not be a, known as a big church building, but we wouldn't be known as a big church body that's outside these four walls, yeah. that is actually in the community. Yeah. And Lord, I pray that you would give us the words, that you would give us the vision, and that we would not be so self-centered just thinking about our life rotating around ourselves and our families, but we would actually see 
opportunity for your kingdom to come. Yeah, Father, I just agree. And, and just everyone, put your hands over your heart. So Father, I just pray for an impartation. God, what you've done in my life and Steph's life and Paul and Ruth's life and just how you've taught us to believe and open our homes, God, I pray for that anointing to rest on every person here. I pray for open doors. I pray even this week that, that some of you will meet somebody, some of you, like with Pat, a, a thought will just drop in your head and you'll just know it's the Holy Spirit. Father, we just pray for that. We pray for the, the unlocking of relationships. Lord, I pray for the peace and the anointing of God to rest and be imparted in Jesus' name. I pray for missions. I pray, I pray for like, you know, just missional thoughts. You know, for some of you, it's, it's gonna be as simple as, oh, you know what, I just wanna start a book club with these folks, or I, I just wanna reach out to this person. With me, it's always one person. I always just meet one person, and it's like the love of God pulls me towards them, and I just start with coffee, you know, or come over to my house, and then it's amazing what God does. And so, Father, I pray for those divine appointments in Jesus' name. And I just want to open up these altars here. If there is anyone who just this, this message resonated and, and the Lord was even prompting you, I want you to open your home. I want you to reach out to your neighbors. I, want, I just want to bless that. I want to pray for that. If, if you're in the marketplace, God's put you in the mission field. You might not realize it, but you're in the mission field. And I want to pray that the anointing of God would just increase in opportunities for you. And just, if that's you, if that's you, I just want you to come forward. Is that all right, Yeah, Vinny? yeah, we'll just- Just come forward. I want Vinny to pray for you guys that the grace on his life would be extended to your life through the Holy Spirit. Just come on forward. We also are gonna pray for healing. If you want, if you need healing in your body, I still, you know, last week at the collective, there was heal, the, we had a word of knowledge for healing for long-term COVID symptoms and long-term uh, symptoms, even from, from the vaccinations. If there's any of that, just come forward. We wanna pray. I've seen people getting healed just from that. We had a little breakthrough of healing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I believe God's gonna start expanding your territory in the marketplace. And those of you who think you're retired, oh man, I got some great news for you in the kingdom we don't retire we just get retreaded God repurposes so God I just thank you for what you're doing in this room Holy Spirit have your way do what you want to do we just welcome your presence Lord bless the rest of the congregation as well God I pray that they have an amazing week that your hope is uh, on the forefront of their mind that your joy is just filling them, that your peace is upon them. Lord, be with them in this day and in this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Have a great week. Love seeing your faces. Can't wait to see you again. Check out the resource table in the back and get to meet some of our staff if you haven't already. And we will see you next week.